Hey friends, you're listening to the Student Ministry Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, lead you closer to Jesus, and help you follow Him more faithfully. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Hey, well, hey everyone. Uh, Welcome if you are new. My name is Robert. I'm one of the youth leaders here at FCC. I currently lead the uh, 12th grade boys. Um, You probably see me around if you haven't. I've I uh, probably beat you at basketball, I probably beat you at ping pong, probably beat you at pool, probably giving you a concussion at Shaver Lake, but putting that all aside, um, welcome, welcome. Uh, if you haven't noticed, or if you're new, uh, Josh has been leading us through the book of Mark, and uh, we're going through the first chapter, and last week he led us through verses 35 to 39, and today I'm leading us through verses 40 to 45, so that's the end of the chapter, so if you guys could take out your Bible or your Bible apps, so then click or turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And remember, if you're taking notes throughout the semester, and I think throughout the school year, Josh would take you to Six Flags. I have no idea he's paying for that. But hey, I guess youth pastors are rolling in that dough. So yeah, uh, just turn to uh, page, uh, t- turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 40. If, uh, you, if tech, if I could get those verses up. I'm going to start at verse 40. Jesus heals a man with leprosy. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hands and touched the man. I'm willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the high priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So, some of you may know from last school year, I gave my testimony out in, out in the uh, grass area in the freezing cold when we had uh, services outdoors. And some of you remember that I was raised as a Catholic. And if you don't know, I was raised as a Catholic. And um, as a Catholic, there's certain things you have to do in order to accept communion, right? There, you have to go through this thing called catechism. So it's like an after-school situation. It's like a class. It's two and a half hours, twice a week. And you spend six hours at school already, right? And then you have your homework. You have your... Uh, you have sports, you have clubs, and then at 6 p.m. or so, you have catechism from 8 to about 8.30, or 6 to 8.30. And you have to sit there, it's like school all over again, and you have these nuns teaching you these Bible verses, your saints, and you have to memorize all these things. And there's specific things I remember, and uh, there's this one time where they're talking about Mark and chapter 1, verse 40 or so, and I heard Jesus heals a man with a leopard, right? And so I, <laughs> I'm really confused. I mean, as a kid, I, I, I really didn't care about what's going on in, in catechism, but this stood out, and I'm like, a leopard? Like, does a leopard, like, shift into a man, or does a man shift into a leopard, and Jesus heals the leopard with the man inside the leopard, or does the man eat the leopard, or the leopard eat the man? So I'm so confused. 
And so in my head, I'm picturing tech, if you guys could point out, a cartoon version of what I pictured. And then if you could, the, the next picture, I picture something like that, right? So I picture like Jesus healing a leopard. But in reality, we know what he's doing, right? And if you guys could change the next picture. I think you guys have seen that from that show, The Chosen. Um, so Jesus heals a leopard, not a leopard, but leper. And uh, he's told to go to the priest and do what's according to the law of Moses. And also he's given a strong warning to not tell anyone about this. But of course, the leper ignores Jesus' request and tells the whole area, and now Jesus has to stay on the outside of the towns. A few things to point out, that this leper comes to Jesus, imploring him on his knees, right, and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. First of all, this was a huge thing that people who had leprosy did not do. You are not allowed to go near people, because it was like the coronavirus of its day, right? You want to stay away. And you had to, if you had leprosy, you had to say unclean, 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 so people knew that you were unclean, so they could stay away from you. But Jesus, but the man says to Jesus, if you're willing. He's not saying, yo, Jesus, heal me. He says, if you want to. So it's not like the man had a lack of faith that he was expressing. He says, I know that if you want to, you can do this. Someone who is not considered clean could not participate in religious activities or festivals or etc. And it says that Jesus was indignant. So your, your, Bible verse, your Bible verses in verse 41 might say, use the word compassion, sternly, or anger. Um, and the definition for indignant is feeling or showing anger or annoyance at what is perceived to be unfair treatment. So Jesus was probably angry at the Pharisees in the religious system of that day because they, had, they did nothing to help the man with leprosy or anyone else with leprosy. And so re, Jesus reaches out his hand and says, be clean. And that too was a huge no-no because if you were to touch someone with leprosy, now you have leprosy. And then you're going to give leprosy to someone else. And it's just like the coronavirus all over again, right? So it's like it's, it, it's a huge no-no. But Jesus reaches out anyway and says, be clean. When Josh asked me to speak um, a few weeks ago, I had lunch with him actually on Monday, and there's this bomb taco place, except they put a lot of salt in the burritos, so don't go there, if, unless you want, like, diabetes, but that's, <laughs> that's uh, yeah, so it was really bad, it was really bad, but it was really good at the same time because I got to have a conversation with Josh, and um, I debated exactly what to talk about because this passage has a lot to unpack, and I wasn't sure... Um, or to go with it, but I decided I'm going to talk about two things. So I'll focus on the basic one at first, and it's, it may be basic, but it's the hardest to perform. Jesus calls us to love one another, and we see that throughout the Bible in, in John uh, 13, 34, and the word love can be translated to the word caring. Even though Jesus uh, was moved with either with pity or with anger, he saw a need and filled that need. He did what he could do at the moment and resolve that need. How many of you have ever seen the, the movie Robots? All right, it's like from 2005. You, you guys were probably in your mom's womb. Uh, I Googled it, 2005. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so you probably were probably in your mom's womb or something. I was in junior high. So, <laughs> if you guys have seen it, that's awesome. If you haven't, then go watch it because it's pretty funny. 
I think it has like Amanda Bynes or something in it, right? So, um, yeah, so I took a phrase. If you guys remember Mr. Big Weld, right? He was like this big CEO. If you guys don't know robots, I'll explain like a little bit. Like there's this little like robot inventor guy who invents other robots, which I thought was weird growing up, like a robot building a robot. And it's kind of like today, like iPhones are being built by iPhones, I think, right? It's this weird like concept, right? And so Mr. Bigwell says, see a need, fill a need, right? And I think this is one of the things you can learn from this passage because, of course, Jesus is all-powerful, and he can take away leprosy or heal anyone. But, of course, we have limitations, but if we see a need and we should be moved with compassion, we are disciples of Jesus, and sometimes that can be very uncomfortable, especially when we notice someone with a difficult situation. So what I believe Jesus is telling us is similar to what Mr. Bigwell says, right, in robots, see a need, fill a need. And granted, Jesus didn't see this man and go up to the man. The man saw Jesus, and Jesus saw the man when he approached him and still filled that need of healing. I have a big heart for people who are homeless or in difficult situations. And I'm I'm pretty sure most of you do as well. Um, I'm going to share a, a story of when I was moved with compassion regarding a homeless person. How many of you guys have ever been to Los Angeles? Right, I'm pretty sure almost everyone's been to Los Angeles. Dodgers suck, by the way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Go, go Yankees, anyone now? Uh, yeah, 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 okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, okay, okay, okay. So I, I'm guessing there's a lot of Giants fans in here. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. All right. So anyway, um, all right, all right. Settle down, settle down, settle down, settle down. So I'm in Los Angeles. Uh, I was diagnosed with uh, juvenile arthritis in my legs. So I had a lot of pain in my legs. And as a six-year-old, it sucked because I couldn't run. I couldn't participate in activities with friends. And uh, I had to go through physical therapy, and I had to join sports that allowed me to use my legs a certain way, and so forth. Um, but uh, I had to go to UCLA to get a second opinion. And between doctor's appointments, I was walking with my parents to Subway. And at that time, it was like the late 90s, and Subway had like this thing like $3 for six inches or something, so it wasn't like $5 foot longs yet. And inflation didn't hit yet. And so it was, um, yeah. And so as I'm walking down with my parents, I saw this homeless man. And I had no idea who he was or what a homeless man even was. Because growing up here, I was fortunate enough to live with a family that kind of, you know, we live on the nice side of town. Um, I didn't, you know, see homeless people. um, And... That was my first time ever seeing someone who was homeless asking for food. And while I'm walking into Subway, I had like this like moment of like, man, I really feel like I should give this man something. And after eating my food, like I go through the, I go through the line and get like this kids meal Subway you know, sandwich. And at that time it was like Blue's Clues, and so I really wanted the handy dandy notebook, you know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't get it. So I'm eating with my family, and I'm like, hey, Dad, can I borrow 20 bucks? Granted, it's $20 from my wallet that he carried, but $20 in the late 90s was a lot of money. 
It was a lot of money. And so he asked what I was going to spend it on. I said, another sandwich. And so he said, sure. But he didn't know I was going to give the man the sandwich. So I go through the line. And as a kid, I get this little, like, Subway sandwich again and still didn't get the handy-dandy notebook. And I kept the toy. But I walked outside. And I sat down with the man on the concrete. And I began to ask questions like, why are you here? Why are you hungry? Where's your family? Where's your mom and dad? Um, and I just keep asking like 20 questions of this dude. And he answered them pretty, pretty like distraught. Um, because here's this little kid, six years old, like helping this like 50-year-old man. And I, to this day, I remember how he looked like. He was like dressed in like this what should be white shirt, but it's yellow because he's just been out in the middle of like the summer heat. And he has like these tan pants and has long hair. And, and so I, I like start asking this guy questions. He's answering my questions. And my parents realize, oh, where's our son? Oh, he's outside talking to this homeless man. And so they come out and like they like, and like right when they're coming out, I went up and gave this guy a hug. Like here's this like clean six-year-old kid giving a 50-year-old man a hug. And like, you know, nowadays that's a little weird, but at that moment, I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. And as soon as like, I started giving the, the, the guy a hug, my parents are pulling, him, pulling me away. My dad's carrying me on his shoulders. And I'm just crying my eyes out. Because like, I really liked talking to this guy. And I felt really angry about this guy. Because he's out here homeless in the middle of the summer. And there's nothing that anyone's doing to help him. And here's a six-year-old kid helping him. Right? So I saw a need, and I feel that need, trying to fill that guy with, hung with, with, with some food since he was hungry. <clears throat> but now I'm going to kind of jump tracks a little bit here, right? And I'm going to talk about grace and disobedience. So if I could get those uh, Bible verses back up, uh, verses 43 through 44, it says, See what... See that ye don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Uh, to understand some of these verses, you kind of have to look back at Leviticus 14, and it's somewhere in verse 2 where you can read how Moses commanded about everything that a person who had been healed or cleansed of leprosy had to do to demonstrate that they had been cleansed. In verse 45, the man who had leprosy ignores Jesus, right? And Jesus' word, and goes out and talks freely to about everyone and spreads the news, and Jesus can no longer go into a city openly. Um, I'm convinced that people think that they have a better plan than what Jesus has for us. Jesus says to do this, but we argue about what we're going to do and do the complete opposite of what he wants us to do. It is important that what he says we do. We say, that we're going, we say that we're saved, right? But yet, as soon as after we're saved, we have this whole different plan. We tend not to listen to Jesus. We tend to walk away. We tend to ignore his word. And we think that just being saved, we're done. But that's not true. We have a lot more to go, right? We have a lot of work to do. And we should not let our emotions take the better of us. We know that this man was excited when Jesus touched the man, and especially when Jesus said he is willing to clean him. But what was important was the warning that Jesus gave the man. Jesus told the man three simple things. Don't tell anyone, go to the priest, 
and give the offering that is stated in what Moses said about the testimony. But the man did none of those things. He did none of them. How is it that we believe that Jesus knows all, but sometimes we think Jesus has no idea what he's doing? Right? I go through sometimes in my life, and I think, no, I'm not going to do that, Jesus, because my plan is way better than yours, and it's an easier route to the finish line. How many of you guys ever struggle with that? Show of hands. That you have a better plan than Jesus. Yeah, so I, I experienced this not too long ago where I thought I had a better plan, and Jesus was like, no, 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 Robert, you're going to come this way. You're going to come this way. And I'm like, no, no, you have no idea what you're talking about, dude. You don't know me. And lo and behold, I went down this long, treacherous road when I probably could have gone down this easier path, but it would have just taken longer to get there. Don't let your emotional state and condition should never be the driving force. If you allow your emotions to drive you, you'll get in trouble. You'll fall apart. So what is righteous disobedience? Righteous disobedience is doing something for God that God does not want you to do. The leper was excited about what Jesus had done for him. It was a miracle. It was life-changing. However, the leper disobeyed him. This didn't help Jesus' ministry at all. It hurt his ministry. The leper was enthusiastic for God, but it was misdirected. If you look at Romans 10.2, it says, I know that enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. Jesus still showed grace to the man, knowing that the man was going to tell people anyway. He could, he could have just ignored the man completely. He could have just walked by and said, dude, I'm sorry, I can't, can't help you. But he still showed grace to the man and healed the man, knowing that the man was going to tell everyone and not do the three simple things that he told. It's pretty ironic that, the Je- that Jesus and the leper basically change, exchanged places. The leper had to live outside the towns, but Jesus could move around freely within them at first. And after Jesus healed the man, the man could walk around freely in towns, and Jesus had to stay outside the towns. Mark says Jesus couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. Some see this as a hint of what is to come, right? Uh, Jesus exchanges places for helpers of the world. Jesus exchanges places for the sinners of the world. And instead of us going to the cross, Jesus goes to the cross instead. And instead of us dying for our sins, Jesus dies for our sins. So I'm going to kind of land the plane here a little bit. And uh, in conclusion, you guys, Jesus cares about you. He loves you. He has a place for you in, in your life. Part of the plan in, includes him touching your life and cleansing you of your sins. Let Jesus do what he can do. When you are forgiven, then do what Jesus tells you to do. And you all have a purpose. So I have a few questions for you guys to go with your life groups. And I want you to go into deep discussions with them. Um, what do you do when you see someone in need? Do you walk right past them? 
Do you try to talk to them? Do you try to help them? I'll admit, I don't help every single homeless person, every single person in need. But I wish I could. And I let time get in the way, and I shouldn't let that happen. My second question to you is, have you ever thought that you had a better plan than God? And give an example of when that happened, or when you thought that. So in your groups, talk about those. Listen to your leaders. Teach your leaders something. Leaders, teach your students something about plans and what God has in store for them. So I'm going to end this in prayer. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for talking to uh, these young men and women. Lord, anything that I said that isn't of your word, I just pray that it goes one ear and out the other, and anything that uh, was right and correct just resonates within their hearts and within their minds, Lord. I pray for deep discussions tonight. I pray that everyone is able to share something about their life. Um, And we know that your plan is ten times better than our plan. Our plan is ruined. It's a a wrong road to go down, Lord. And your plan is the best plan. Lord, I just pray that uh, tonight goes well and that uh, um, everyone's able to share a story and have a safe trip back home. In your name, amen.